Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. We are continuing our series this morning in the Beatitudes, Kingdom Manifesto, the Beatitudes. And we are on with basically the halfway point in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 6. And here that is. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I love coffee. When I get out of bed in the morning, the first thing I do is I turn up the air just a little bit because it's cold. I like it cold in my house while I sleep. But then I walk straight to the boiling water and I make myself a cup of fresh brewed coffee. I love coffee. And I love that I have options to go different places to get coffee. I can make it at home or I can go to my favorite place across the street, K Rico, and I can get a great cup of coffee there. I love Dan and Tim and the guys there because when I bring my kids in there, they always make uh, extra special hot chocolates for them. So I love that I have options. I can get coffee at home, I can go to K Rico, or, or you can go to Starbucks. See, the funny thing about quenching our thirst for coffee is we don't just have different options of places to go, but once we get there, we have lots of options to order from. Lots of options to satisfy our thirst or addiction for caffeine, whichever one you want to call it. But when I go into Starbucks, the first three options that you are given are venti, grande, and is it, I can never remember, it's Hugo or something. What is it? Tall, it's tall, okay. So all those terms sound the same with me. And even though I've been going to Starbucks for decades, I don't remember which one's which. So they'll list them out, and I'll just go medium, whatever medium is. I can't, I can't remember. Uh, but those are just the beginning of your options to satisfy your thirst at Starbucks. I mean, you can go skim milk, you can go whole milk, you can go soy milk, you can go almond milk, you can go watered-down milk. You can get the syrups in it, right? You can get vanilla, you can get sugar-free vanilla, you can get hazelnut, you can get fairy dust, you can get all sorts of stuff in your coffee. In fact, Starbucks came out and said, I guess they had some mathematician there, and said that if you want options for satisfying your thirst at Starbucks, you have 80,000 different combinations that you can make at Starbucks to satisfy your thirst. 80,000 different combos. That is crazy. Now, the funny thing is, when I go in there, what I normally like is a medium half-calf, like half caffeinated, half decaf. And a lot of times they don't have the decaf. And so that's simple option. They, they don't have that for me, but they had, I guess, 79,999 other options. So you can get a venti, ice, skinny, hazelnut, macchiato, sugar-free syrup, extra shot, light ice, no whip. Now I had to read that because I couldn't memorize that. But there are 80,000 options to satisfy your thirst. And we're not even talking about all the food options that you could do with those different drink options at Starbucks. See, in our culture, we have so many options for satisfying our physical hunger and our physical thirst. But that wasn't necessarily true in Jesus' day. Uh, Jesus is giving the Beatitudes as the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And I think we have a picture of what is traditionally called the Mount of Beatitudes. 
Now, the Sermon on the Mount was a collection of Jesus' teaching that was given over a lot of different times. But tradition says in the church that at some point he delivered some of this message uh, uh, here on the Mount of Beatitudes. And you can see while there's a little bit of green, it is not green like South Florida. It is much more of a, uh, of a dry climate. This area was surrounded by desert. And so while we might have 80,000 options for hydration at Starbucks, they might have had one. There's water in a well, and when you're thirsty, that is your only option. You don't have multiple options to eat from. If there's food, you better take it, or you might go hungry. See, while we had so many options for satisfying physical hunger and thirst, they only had a few. They only had a few. The funny thing is our culture has so many messages about satisfying our spiritual hunger and thirst as well. Not only do we have options for our physical hunger and thirst, but we get so many messages every day about satisfying our spiritual hunger and our spiritual thirst. By the time you're 18, it's estimated that you will have watched 350,000 television commercials. And by the time you're 65, you will have seen probably 2 million advertisements. Now, what does it have to do with spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst? Kevin Miller says, each of these commercials has been created by smart people who pack their ads with powerful images, catchy music and humor, and memorable slogans. Most of the commercials have one primary theme. This product will give you true happiness and deep satisfaction. This product will satisfy your spiritual hunger and your spiritual thirst. This product is the thing that you've been missing that you really need to make your life work. And so the message is that we often get subliminally in these television commercials are, blessed are those who are surrounded by attractive people, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are those who obtain symbols of wealth and status, for they will be satisfied. In these commercials, we see blessed are those who are free to experience life as they want it. Blessed are those who have the latest technology. Blessed are those who get respect or power in this world, for they will be satisfied. And we get those messages day after day after day that tell us we can satisfy our spiritual hunger and our spiritual thirst. But Jesus just gives us one message, one message about our spiritual hunger and our spiritual thirst. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, for they will be filled. Now, this beatitude builds on the last three. We've talked about acknowledging our spiritual poverty before God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We've talked about our spiritual bankruptcy inside. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We've talked about our moral emptiness and realizing that we don't bring anything to the table before God, and that should humble us. Blessed are the meek. And what Jesus is trying to do is to get us to see that we're really thirsty, we're really hungry for something outside of ourselves that we cannot quench by ourselves. And what we are truly hungry for is God and his righteousness. 
is God and his righteousness. The great theologian John Calvin, in his book Christian Institutes, started off by talking about what happens when a person sees themselves as they really are before God as he really is. See, most of the time we're tempted to not admit who we really are, or we don't see God clearly and we make him into an image or into a God that is more acceptable to us. But when someone sees themselves as they really are, or see God as he really is, something happens. They see the beauty of God's character, his perfection, his righteousness, and that then acts as a mirror towards their own deficiency and unrighteousness. Or, or someone begins to see their own moral corruption, their own spiritual poverty, and that helps them to see God's holiness and righteousness and perfection better. It's like, it's like this mirror that goes back and forth where the better you see God, the more clearly you see yourself. And the more clearly you see yourself, the better you understand God's per- per- perfection. But as that process happens, for the Christian, it creates a longing. It creates a hunger. It creates a thirst when we see the emptiness in ourselves that we want to be like God. We want to reflect his character. We want to be just and forgiving and loving and righteous just like he is. As we see the emptiness in ourself, we hunger and thirst for something more, particularly as we see God in the person of Jesus. Jesus, the God-man, who was God in the flesh and came to fulfill all righteousness. That means that he perfectly loved God, he perfectly loved his neighbor. Everything he ever did was out of love. He was the same person in public that he was in private. He never had an impure thought. He never did something out of selfish envy. He was always loving. He was always giving. He was always righteous. And as we see the character of God in Jesus, for the Christian, it makes us hunger. I want to be like him. I want to be like Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself uses such primal words to describe our desire to be like him. Hunger and thirst. On Maslow's hierarchy, that's like the very first need, right? We're not talking about self-actualization. We're talking about the very first need. Well, I I need community. Not if you're hungry or thirsty. You need food and water first. You know, I'm, I'm sexually turned on and I need to have sex. Not if you're hungry or not if you're thirsty. These desires that Jesus uses, the words that he uses are so core to who we are as human beings. He uses the words hunger and thirst for righteousness, for the character of God, for the fruit of the Spirit to be made like Jesus Christ. But here's the good news for the the Christian who has that primal desire to be more like Jesus to be more like God, to have his character in us, they will be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. 
for. That desire will be met, for that longing will be quenched, for their emptiness will be filled. It's a promise. And that promise comes to us through the gospel, through the good news of Jesus Christ, that the righteous one went to the cross on our behalf. He was convicted as unrighteous. He was convicted as a criminal, even though he was sinless. And because he was punished on our behalf, we are forgiven. But he fulfilled all righteousness. And that record of righteousness is proclaimed and given to us. The great doctrine, the great teaching of justification. That though he was rich, he became spiritually poor. So that by his poverty, we might become rich with God. But Jesus isn't just talking about a proclamation of righteousness over us. He's saying that God will in fact grow his character in our empty souls. He will satisfy our spiritual hunger by making us more like him. As we long to be made into the image of Jesus, so it shall be. To the point where we will say, I am satisfied. I am satisfied. God, I I don't think like you. I want to learn to think like you. God teaches us his thoughts. God, I don't love like you do. I love things that you don't love. God rearranges our affections. God, I don't act like you do. I'm very selfish. God will change us to be selfless. But there's a weird dichotomy. Because here on one side we have hunger and thirst, and on the other side we have satisfaction or being filled. So are we hungry and thirsty, or are we filled? Which one is it? Or is it happen at the exact same time? Well, sometimes when you have a good thing that satisfies you, you just want more of it. When you taste something that's good, you want it again. And you're hungry for it again and again and again. And if it's really good, you might become desperate to get it. See, the more that God makes us like him, the more discontent we are where we're not like him. And the more dissatisfaction we have inside ourselves where we're not like him, it puts us to this place where we're willing to submit to him. And he makes us even more like him, to the point where we can say, I'm discontent where I am not like God, but as he makes us, me more like him, I am experiencing satisfaction. Ray Ortland puts it this way, the more one conforms to God's will, the more fulfilled and content one becomes, but that in turn spawns a greater discontent. Our hunger increases and intensifies in the very act of being satisfied. The more God makes us like him, the more discontent we are in the areas that we're not like him. And the more we hunger and thirst to be made like him, which he will do. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word.
question to you. Do you hunger for God? Do you thirst for his righteous character? And are you being satisfied as he makes you more and more like him and his son, Jesus? Well, one of the things that can stop us from that hunger and thirst is that we don't actually know God. We don't know God and his character, or we've stopped learning about God and his character. That's the whole process that John Calvin was talking about. When we learn more about God, we learn more about ourselves, which causes us to want to be more like God and be satisfied as he changes us. As we see our spiritual poverty, we see our fullness. As we see his fullness, we see our spiritual poverty. We get to know God and we're changed. So the question is, if you're not hungry, are you still getting to know God through his word? Or have you stopped pursuing knowledge of him? Because if you don't have a picture of who God really is, you won't see yourself clearly. And you won't see how desperate you really are and you'll stop being hungry and thirsty and therefore you'll stop receiving satisfaction from God. Now some people don't want to see who they really are. I talk to a lot of people who say, I don't like anything that makes me feel bad about myself. And I get that. I mean, there's a lot of shame, shaming in our culture. Um, But here's the thing. If you're not willing to look over the dark parts of your life, if you're not willing to look over the parts of you that aren't so pretty, you will just cover over those areas of your life. You will cover over your hunger pains with something else. You know, if a kid is hungry and you give them sugar, they will run around the room like crazy. But that has not actually quenched their hunger. They're going to fall over. And about an hour after they have a sugar rush and a sugar depletion. And the thing with us is is we often, just like sugar, we try and consume the things of the world. We try and cover our hunger pains with money, power, and pleasure. We try and satisfy our spiritual thirst with possessions and acceptance and status. But all that is just a candy, a sugar rush that covers over our spiritual hunger and our spiritual thirst. Sometimes we get those things and they actually make us happy, but that is just a hit of dopamine in our brain. That is not truly satisfying our spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst. So ask yourself, are you on the endless chase to get something to cover over that hunger? Because if you're chasing after it, you never really have. If you get your hands on it for a minute, it just slips out. If you get enough money, it's never really enough. If you get status, it's never really enough. And you keep chasing after it. The difference is, for the person who's spiritually hungry and realizes they want God and his righteousness, they don't have to chase after God. God says that he will fill them. So it can never slip out of your hands. Because God's promise is that he is always meeting you, always satisfying you with his his character and his righteousness. In fact, in Philippians 1.6, Paul writes, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day that Jesus Christ returns. God is 100% committed to satisfy you with his righteousness. So don't cover over your hunger pains, but also make room for your hunger. One of the reasons that we do confession almost every Sunday 
It's not because we're trying to get people to feel bad about themselves. It's we're trying to make room for our hunger. We're trying to see ourselves as we really are. We're trying to see God as holy, 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 and us as sinful and falling short of his glory. Because that's who we really are. And as we recognize that gap, we become hungry to become more like him. We place ourselves in a place where we are in need. Have you made room for your need? Have you made room for your hunger and thirst? You know, even Jesus, who was sinless, still went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and fasted. He made room for his physical hunger, but he also was making room for his spiritual hunger before God. Satan came to tempt him with bread, and he said, man does not eat by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. Satan tempted him with power and comfort, and Jesus denied that and said, my true hunger is for God. So even Jesus made room for his spiritual hunger. And one of the ways that you can really tell your spiritual hunger is how you pray. You know, there are times when my prayers are dry and I'm not hungry. I'm not desperate. I'm not in need. I'm just okay. And so I have this list of things that I want God to do for me, not recognizing how holy he is and how unholy I am and how much more I want him by his grace to make me like him. But the weird thing is, is when you get hungry in prayer, you also find satisfaction through prayer. That's part of the weird process. In prayer, God convicts, God exposes, God shows you who he really is. But through prayer, he changes you and transforms you and makes you more like he is. So make room for your hunger. But then also ask yourself, am I in denial about my hunger? John Costler was a pastor and his mother, when he was little, would take him on these visits uh, to see her friends. And he would have to sit on this couch. And he had received instructions. I'm going to talk to this other lady. You are to sit there quietly on the couch. And if they offer you something to drink like lemonade or something to eat like a cookie, you are to say, no, thank you. I'm full the first time. Now, he was never full. <laughs> he always wanted the lemonade. He always wanted the cookie. He thought that maybe since his mom grew up in the Great Depression, it was just more honorable to turn away food. But his mom said, if they ask a second time, then you can say, okay, I'll have the cookie. I'll have the lemonade. But he was reflecting on that as an adult, and he's like, what a weird set of rules that was to basically lie about the fact that I was hungry and thirsty, that my mom would put me through this thing where I couldn't admit that I was hungry, I couldn't admit that I was thirsty. But here's the thing, when it comes to our spiritual hunger and thirst, it's not our moms who tell us to deny it, it's ourselves. Our very souls tell us that we're both hungry and thirsty, but don't admit that, we're, that you're hungry and thirsty, be in denial. We do this in several ways. I mean, the human soul is so tempted to focus on our performance rather than our poverty. And so what you see is often religious people or people who have been around the church a long time is they only focus on how far they've come, not on how far they have to go. And that 
denial quenches their hunger and quenches their thirst for God. Sometimes our spiritual practices can so easily become status markers of our righteousness rather than acts of hunger and thirst for spiritual food from God. We can do that in the church. We can do that in recovery. I read a story about uh, one pastor who had someone in his church who had walked through recovery. And as new people would come into the church and needed to walk through recovery, he would say, hey, can you go check out where they're at and maybe encourage them to get involved with the church's recovery group? And that person would go and, and befriend those people, and he'd come back and he'd be like, they're not ready. What do you mean they're not ready for recovery? Well, they still think they're okay. They're still focused on how they're performing rather than their poverty. They can see how good their life is without seeing how bad they've made it. They're not ready. So religious people can do it. You can do it in addiction, but everyone doesn't really. Everyone doesn't admit their need. Everyone denies their desperation. I talked to a lot of people who said, I don't need Jesus or I don't need religion to be good. But then you talk to them and you ask them, well, what's good? And basically they describe themselves. Well, maybe I should ask the people around you if you're good rather than asking you. We're all in denial about our great desperation and our great need. Everything in our soul tells us that we're okay. So we have to be willing to examine, are we really okay? Are you denying that place in your heart where you're harboring anger and hatred? Are you hiding those habits and secret addictions? Are you ignoring the way that you've hurt others or the lack of love you have for that person or that group of people? Are you justifying everything you do to yourself or are you being authentic about who you really are? That you lack righteousness on your own. That you're deficient. That you're spiritually impoverished. That you're morally bankrupt. That you have nothing to offer God because here's the good news. When you get to that place of seeing yourself honestly and you become very discontent with who you are, and you begin to hunger and thirst for something more. God doesn't frown. God says, you're blessed. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The person who realizes they cannot produce goodness and righteousness on their own, but they want it from God, lives in a state of blessing from God. That is Christianity. We never get to a point where we graduate to doing this thing on our own. We are always in this place of lack. We are always in this place of need. Every day we see new places in our life that are not like God. But when we come to him and say, I don't want to be like me anymore. I want to be like you. God doesn't frown. He smiles and says, let me satisfy you with my righteousness. Let me make you more like me by the power of my spirit. Let me conform you into the image of Jesus Christ by grace. So friends, if you're not hungry, if you're not thirsty, get to know God again. Don't cover your hunger pains with things that will not satisfy. You have lots of options in our culture to try and do that, but none of those things will satisfy. Make room for your hunger. 
and don't deny who you really are before God. Because blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.